Hello, welcome to Token Truth, a podcast about finding the truth and goodness in the Lord of the Rings books by J.R. Tolkien. I'm your host, Caitlin Myler. Hello, welcome back. It's been a minute, hasn't it? If you hear anything in the background, it is my husband, Abe. He did an episode with me, you know, over a year ago when I was trying to start all this nonsense. And he is watching the World Cup final. How are we all doing? Are we all okay? I have no excuse for not having done another episode. Left you hanging in a pretty intense spot. At the end of our last episode, we were dealing with Strider and the Hobbits having a cute little sleepover as they waited to see if they were going to be murdered in their beds or not. So that that is pretty intense, I would say. How are we all doing uh, first after watching Rings of Power? Really, I want to know sincerely, how are you doing? Because I feel... The only word I can really use for it is meh. Here's why. The costumes, awesome. I think the music was great. Uh, I actually liked the idea of seeing like an angry Galadriel because she's young and a young Elrond. I really enjoyed that. However, uh, I only liked Angry Galadriel for like 10 minutes, okay? I don't like it (laughs) when female protagonists are just like angry the whole time and they have no growth. I get being angry. I am a woman. Hello. I understand. However, it just doesn't make any sort of sense to me to have a character who just whose whole personality is just being mad that's kind of it and is always good at sword play and will never fail that is kind of boring um the fighting in general was kind of lame maybe i'm the only one in this but yeah it was just kind of lame and I felt like they just made up a whole bunch of stuff that was not necessary for them to make up. And yeah, wasn't wasn't convinced, basically, is my overall feeling about it. I would never watch it again. That's That's the truth. And I feel really bad about that because they spent a lot of money on it. And I think all of the actors were probably pretty excited about working on it. But it's it's just not the right thing. It's just not right. They they messed it up. And I can only hope that in the next, what is it, six seasons that they have scheduled, lined up, that they fix it. Okay? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you need to vent to me, please do. You can always email me 
at tolkintruth at gmail.com. Okay? We're here. It's a safe place. Safe space. Not a place. Splace. Just safe place. Okay. We are on to the next chapter, finally. I'm really hoping that nobody's like actually trying to follow along with the book and like do a book club with me because I've screwed you over and I'm really sorry about that. However, it's still fun to talk about. So we are on chapter 11, Knife in the Dark, which made me kind of think that maybe Tolkien had a great eye a great mind for horror perfect spooky atmosphere at the beginning when we see fatty bulger in crick hollow where frodo is supposed to be living and he's pretending to be frodo he's like the what do you call that he's not the dummy he's not a mannequin He's the decoy. There we go. He's the decoy of Frodo for the Black Riders. You get all of like the spooky sounds, the creeping shadows, the doors seeming to open and close on by themselves. Pretty spooky. And when I had read it originally, you know, again, over a year ago, it was right around after I had finished reading Dracula, which is didn't feel super spooky to me it was just like weird I did not I wasn't a huge fan sorry Bram Stoker maybe I wasn't your target audience anyways knife in the dark again as I said we left off on chapter 10 meeting Strider and then being at the prancing pony and being pretty sure that they were going to get attacked in the middle of the night. So they had a sleepover in their little parlor area in their room. And then the actual bedrooms they had, again, decoys. These were actually more like dummies because they made them all bolstered up to look like hobbits were sleeping in the bed. So we are at Crick Hollow. Fatty is attacked by Black Riders, not all of them, some of them, who are very upset that they were not able to kill anyone that night. Um, but Fatty shows remarkable uh, emergency preparedness skills and runs out um, calling the secret passcode, I guess, letting people know that there's a, a problem happening in the neighborhood, in the village. And he's just saying fire, foes, awake, come to your defenses, basically calling everyone in the village, waking them up to come and save him. So good for you. Good for you, Fatty. So after our Fatty escapes, we are taken to the Prancing Pony in Bree and Frodo wakes up after having a dream about wind and galloping hooves, which feels very horror cruxy, that he's just connected to the, to the Black Riders somehow and being able to hear them. And again, we've talked about his kind of premonition 
intuition skills and and that we see that going on again um they wake up in the morning and see that their beds are in shreds and indeed they would have been stabbed in the middle of the night and poor mr butterbur he says guests unable to sleep in their beds and good bolsters ruined and all what are we coming to and i just love that those are of the same like concern level to him like this the ruining of mattresses and blankets and the attempted murder of his guests are both level one emergencies so priorities good for you man they find also that all of the ponies have been set loose so they kind of have to regroup they get their little breakfast they were gonna leave early but now they get to do this cute little parade through the town after finding the single pony for sale from bill fernie and we find also that uh the rest of the ponies that were set loose made their way back to tom bombadil which just seems like somebody's gotta write that story right the adventures of all of their crazy pony names um bill fernie by the way in case you don't remember is the resident sleazeball in Bree, he's just the guy who's always making these uh, awful deals and trying to squeeze you for the last drop he can get. And yeah, so he extorts them basically <laughs> to get the last pony in Bree for sale. So they leave town in the middle of the day, much later than they thought they would. There's a parade of children following them, which at first I thought was weird. And then I tried to remember my life as a child and was like, okay, yeah, if I knew that some strangers in my town were going on an epic quest and I could get there, I would totally see them off when I was a kid. I would follow them, no question. Okay, and then we follow them as they walk and walk and walk and they uh, make it to these marshes and they have these midges attack them in the marshes and then they come across these abominable which is just perfect uh wait did i say that word right is it abominable or abominable huh anyways you know what i'm trying to say and it's the what they decide to call neek breakers which if you are a uh, part of a trivia night group at your local uh, drinking establishment or restaurant, you should use that as your trivia team name. Okay? Just saying, the Neek Breakers, it's pretty good. Okay, Frodo sees a flashing light from far off, and we find out later that this is probably Gandalf fighting some people, probably wraiths at the top of Weathertop. And so then they keep walking towards Weathertop. Um, we also get to a great quote that I like. Not all birds are to be trusted because they're worried about being spied on. I haven't really met that many birds, but I'm pretty sure that there needs to be no qualifier there. I don't think any bird can be trusted. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're trusting them with. Uh, trusting them to poop all over your car right after you got it washed, that's pretty trustworthy for them. That's that's on brand for all of these birds here. 
at least in this area. Okay, they keep walking and walking and walking, and Frodo misses home, but they end up feeling like they're getting the hang of this walking thing, which just goes to show we're stronger than we think we are if we do things a bit out of time. Um, also they start to lose weight already because they've been walking so much and Frodo just says that he's, uh, thinning so much. If he keeps losing weight, he might turn into a wraith and he makes a little joke about it. And Strider is not having it. He does not joke about the wraiths and he tells Frodo to not do that. Okay. So then they keep walking. They are sneaking through the ruins around, and Mary shows that he's got a little bit of PTSD. He's a little worried about the um, Barrow Whites, which he should be. He was nearly killed by them. So, understandable. Sam gives us all a bit of a history lesson of Gilgalad, and uh, he thinks he learned it straight from Mr. Bilbo himself. And uh, that Bilbo made it up and Strider has to inform him that no, his favorite bard is actually just translating things that have already been written down for thousands of years. And he just stole it, which is all great art is anyways. Next, we're going on to Weathertop. They finally get there and it seems like Gandalf maybe left a message for them on top of Weathertop. And they discuss getting to Rivendell, and it's going to be about two weeks. And another great quote, Frodo wished bitterly that his fortune had left him in the quiet and beloved Shire. And again, I think that's just what we all have to end up dealing with a lot of the time is feeling like, wow, I wish that my life had left me in this different direction. I literally just read a book about different lives and different universes and different paths our our lives could have taken and it was just very interesting to see how when we have different options for different paths in our lives we wouldn't necessarily take them because then we're not the person that we are anymore or it doesn't make sense for the person we currently are and I just love that I love the idea of having my own little Caitlin metaverse which just sounds, I mean, intriguing for me, but probably pretty annoying for everybody else around me. Back to the story. They just miss Gandalf, basically, at the top of Weathertop. And then they see black riders on the road while they're up there. And we find out later that the black riders can see, even though they seem to be sniffing most of the time, they can see, their horses can see, and their spies can see. So everybody can see. They can also have this cool like infrared nighttime vision where they can see things that aren't typically seen at night by human eyes. The daytime, the reason they don't like that is because it gets rid of the shadows that give them their special vision. And they can smell the blood of living things. Again, a little hearken to Bram Stoker. And they're also drawn to the ring. They can sense the ring and they feel it. And they also hate fire. That's just always true, I guess, is that 
evils ha- evil hates fire for some reason. Strider makes them all a fire. They have a great little time. It's very cozy. Strider apparently is a furnace himself, which I don't understand why there are people like that. Knew a guy when I went to college, basically in Canada, would have negative 20s Fahrenheit, and he would just wear shorts all the time. Don't understand. Okay, and then they have a cute another cozy moment and tell old spooky stories around the fam- around the campfire. That's just so beautiful. I love this pattern that they're having of just like, I don't know, being the very romantic version of cowboys is how I kind of feel about it. And Strider tells them the story of Baron and Tenuviel. And Baron is a human man, falls in love with an elf maiden. He chases her around. And after many adventures, they, of course, go the way of all good romantic operas and they both die well Baron dies and the Tenuviel chooses to be mortal and die and when I was a teenager I thought I was absolutely going to name a child Tenuviel I actually thought about it for my daughter her middle name is Lorian uh I still feel a little regret about that because it could have been pretty dang cool but we decided that Tenuviel was maybe a little too weird. Plus, it requires an accent over the U. And we do not have a keyboard in English that easily puts an accent over things. So, Lorian, it was. Then we see Frodo's intuition a bit again, and he feels a little uneasy. And then the wraiths come upon them. And Frodo is tempted beyond all reason to put on the ring and he can't help himself help himself so he does put on the ring he fights against it though and at the very last second rushes forward to stab one of the wraiths and and is in turn stabbed himself and right before he passes out we get to see strider fighting which is uh again pretty pretty on par with the movie and can you imagine anyone but Vigo Mortensen being Aragorn? No, it's just not even possible. Like we were just talking about metaverses, right? And multiverses, sorry, multiverses. And I just think that it would be awful. All the other universes where it's not Vigo Mortensen. Are you kidding me? It's garbage. All right. So we automatically live in the best multiverse because of that very enormous and simple fact and here we are at the whole point of this podcast the point where we talk about what our ride out with me challenge is going to be and uh it's from a part in the chapter that we think would be a good takeaway of something we can work on for the next couple of weeks until the next episode and the next challenge So this is inspired by the movie The Two Towers when King Theoden is in Helm's Deep. They're fairly certain everyone's going to die. King Theoden is a man after my own heart and he's just very hopeless and he feels that there's no way they're going to win. And that's the only thing he can really focus on 
is is either winning or losing. And Aragorn has this other paradigm of looking at things. And King Theoden says, what can men do against such reckless hate? And Aragorn says, right out with me. And he's saying, let's go face them head on and distract them enough and cause them enough problems that we give the people who are the civilians, basically, in this case, time to escape and time to run away and be safe. And they obviously end up winning because there's a third book and they're all in it. Um, But I love that. I think about that pretty much every day of what can I do to show bravery? And even if it's not something that directly benefits me, that helps the world around me. So this week, I wanted to talk about this idea and symbolism of fire. So we see it a few times in the book. The first time is when Fatty is running through the village saying, foes, fire, awake, and he's calling out the alarm. And he specifically uses the word fire. And I think it's interesting that foes and fire are in the same call, the same alarm, because fire, as we all know, can be super destructive and ruin everything in a matter of moments. And I see that as the first thing about fire in this chapter. The next interesting point about fire that we see in the book is when they're all cozying around the fire and Sam says, I don't think we should have fire. And Aragorn's like, well, fire is actually good for us because the wraiths hate fire because they're evil and all evil hates fire. And Sam is like, well, seems like a pretty good place to show where we are if you ask me. And he's not wrong. Fire obviously creates light and shows us where we're going. And I think this idea, the symbolism of fire being something that evil cannot stand, which is, I feel pretty common in a lot of fairy tales and a lot of literature, is the light of the fire alone is too much for these creatures because it shows I think the evil of their ways is supposed to be the lesson that we take away from that is that it shows the mistakes that they've been making and they can't tolerate. The next thing about the fire though, is that it's very cozy for those people who, who need it. It brings them warmth. It shows them things around them so that they're not so worried about their environment and uh, also, I mean, you can roast a marshmallow over it, which is a very fun activity. Highly recommend. I also like that in folk tales, fire is a symbol of rebirth. And I mean, it's not just in folk tales, obviously, in forest fires, in nature, it 
when it is properly maintained, forests do this to make sure that they are, and indigenous people help that along in a lot of communities, to make sure that things are cleansed out properly so that new growth, healthy growth, can come from that. You think of uh, tales like phoenixes. They burn themselves down so that they can have something new. And it made me think of a conversation I was having with a friend today. She had, over Thanksgiving, which for those of you not in the U.S., that is in the very tail end of November. So it's the last Thursday in November. And over that week, she had her sewer line break. It was totally a freak accident and it wasn't their fault or anything, but it broke. And so their basement is just literally covered in sewage and was for a long time. I mean, she's been working on cleaning it and especially one of the bathrooms upstairs. And she's working with the town to try and get this taken care of. And she's being asked and for insurance purposes to take pictures of the room of the bathroom before she cleans it and after and she is just so sick of having to deal (laughs) with this literal crap in her house and she was like I just want to burn it to the ground and have it be over and I was thinking about that as I was getting ready to record this episode. Burning things to the ground is something that I say all the time when I'm just so sick of something that I can't even imagine what I would save with it. And I think we all have moments like that, especially lately, of things that we want to burn to the ground. And I hope that you don't automatically go and destroy all your friendships because you're just tired of getting out of bed or something like that. I think they're uh, feeling like these things are need to be destroyed is a good sign that you need to look at it. So for me, something that I want to burn to the ground every single time is uh, some people's perception about what a woman's job is. So patriarchy, basically, (laughs) I want to burn to the ground because it's not useful for anyone. However, I can't obviously do that on my own, but there are steps I can take to make sure it's a little bit more bearable for my daughter and for my sons and that the world is a little bit more equitable And I encourage you to think of the thing, the relationship, the appliance, the bathroom in your life that you just wish you could start over from. And if it is a relationship, especially, I encourage you to talk to that person and see about maybe trying to air some things and finally bury the hatchet or take care of what is going on there and maybe something 
really healthy can grow out of it. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you have a great couple of weeks. Merry Christmas next week if you celebrate Christmas. And I hope that you have a fantastic holiday season. And I will talk to you soon. I promise. And now we're on to the part where we try to apply what we've read into our lives. And it's called the what... (laughs) It's been a while.